This evening, we're going to be in Psalm 73. Psalm 73. In the last couple weeks, Pastor has consciously not had the scripture on the screens. I am much faster at speaking than he is, and so I am not going to even try to slow down and have you turn to the passages. Every They're going to be on the screen tonight. And uh, we're going we're to look at Psalm 73 and look at the issue of envy. The issue of envy. When you find your place in Psalm 73, will you stand with me out of respect for the reading of the Word of God? We're going to begin by reading the first three verses, but we will look at the entire chapter this evening. Psalm 73, verses 1 through 3 say, Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart, But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped, for I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray as we come to the time where we look into your word this evening, that, Lord, that you will give us eyes to be able to see and ears to be able to hear. And, Lord, I pray that you will give us the understanding, Lord, to be able to, to apply and, and, to, and to take in and, and make what we, Lord, read and what we hear, <coughs> Lord, a part of our lives. Lord, that we may live by your word, that we may live by your direction. I pray, Lord, that you will help us all, Lord, if there is envy in our hearts, Lord, to let it go. Lord, to help us to learn to be content. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. You may be seated. So again, we're looking at tonight the issue of envy. We live, if, if we're honest, we live in a generation of jealousy, we live in a country, a country of covetousness. Everyone is envious of other people. I think really, you think about it, it's, it's a lot of times what social media today is based on. We have social media influencers that influence others. And the, way, the reason they're able to do it is because the people they're influencing, just, they want to be like them. That's why they're called influencers. The people that are watching them are envious of what they see. We think about our society even bigger. The the advertising uh, market in America really thrives. Why? Because America is covetous. America is just constantly envious. They pay movie stars and sports stars millions and millions of dollars why, to wear their stuff. Why? Because they'll know that people are envious of what they have. And LeBron James, I don't, I, I've never, I've never, I never really liked him. I never have. I wasn't a Cleveland fan. And I, I've been a Lakers fan since I was a little kid, but ever since he went there, I've, I've rooted against the Lakers. That's how much I don't like him. Okay? Just saying. Sorry, sorry, Dave. <laughs> I'm glad he got your championship. You know? <laughs> but Nike paid him, if I'm not mistaken, and you might be able to correct me, one, over his lifetime, one billion dollars to exclusively wear Nike. Wow. I'll take a hundred bucks and I'll exclusively wear Nike. <laughs> Just saying. Um, but here's the thing, why, 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 are, why do they do that? 
even though it's, one, listen, one billion, they know because when people see him, they're going to be envious of him. They're going to want what he has. Listen, if we're honest, that's something we all deal with. It's something that is natural. My children, we go to Walmart and, and you know, just allow them to enjoy a little bit of it. We usually go to the toy aisle. Now, not every time, but we try to go over there and they just enjoy playing with it. And maybe we let them pick out a car. Not every time now because they went from like 94 cents to $94 in like a couple months. But as they get older, and it's, it's just, it just amazes me, we go through and every single thing that they see, what is it? I want this. I want this. I want this. I want this. Charlie's birthday is coming up in June. And for the last, I'm not kidding, like three months, he's like, we're going to buy a car, that, the car wash. We're going to buy the car wash. I'm going to get the car wash for my birthday. I want the car wash. The car wash. I want the car wash. It's been all about the car wash. Hot Wheels. Car, car wash that's like 50 bucks. And I'm like, Caleb, we don't get this for him for his birthday. He's going to be crushed, but maybe he'll learn a lesson. I don't know. <laughs> but everyone just wants everything. And listen, when they see other people who have things, what happens? We get envious of what they have. And we want that too. And you see in this psalm, this is a psalm of Asaph, and Asaph is writing, and he, and he, he just looks around and he sees man, the wicked people of the world are prospering. And it seems like the godly people in the world are just being crushed and put down. And he gets envious. And we're going to look at really why and we're going to look at the remedy. So we're going to look at the why and the remedy. The first thing that he sees, number one, are the conflicting facts. The seeming, seemingly conflicting facts. First off, he, he talks about the character of God. Verse number one of Psalm 73 says, Truly God is good to Israel. And he says, Even to such are at, as are of a clean heart. He knows. He knows God's character. He knows that God, in the Mosaic Covenant, said, listen, if you're obedient, if you, if you love me, if you're obedient, I will bless you. He knows that God is good. He, he probably knows uh, by heart Exodus 34, 6, which says, And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, and what does it say? Abundant in goodness and truth. He knows God's character. He knows the Abrahamic covenant that, that in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, that God says in verse, we'll go verse number 2, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curseth him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed." He knows God. He knows God is a covenant God, a promise-keeping God. And he knows that, listen, if they're obedient, 
that God will bless. When the Israelites, you look throughout the scriptures, when the Israelites are obedient, God blesses the Israelites. When they weren't, when they're not obedient, God, well, does not. We'll just say he does not bless the Israelites. Think about King Saul and King David. Neither of them are perfect. But Saul, you have someone who, he would be obedient up to a point. I'm thinking, and I've shared this with a couple of people. We're going over this in our Bible class. But Saul was someone who, who always seemed like when it was easy to be obedient, he would be obedient. But when it got hard, then he would just, well, take over. But there was one instance where he was waiting to go to battle and he was told that after three days, Samuel would come and he would offer a sacrifice and then after that, he could go to battle. And three days came and went. And I can just imagine him just looking over the pathway and just just looking like, all right, Samuel, where are you? Three days are up and uh, you're not here. You know what he did? He felt that he had to do something. He, he, he wasn't willing to wait and be obedient. And so he had to do it. And so he didn't listen. Did God bless him? No. In fact, God took away his kingdom. But you see David, and again, David's not perfect. To be honest, again, I've, I've talked about this, about this before, but you, you, you bring Saul in. And you bring him before a church and vote on membership, someone who is guilty of performing a sacrifice to God, someone who is guilty of not killing when he was supposed to. I mean, these are, the, listen, these are the big sins of Saul. Not, performing a sacrifice and not killing the king and the sheep in order to offer them to God. To be honest, most churches would vote him, in, him into membership. But then you have David, who is an adulterer and a mass murderer. You say, well, mass murderer, what are you talking about? Well, when he killed, Uzziah, had Uzziah killed, don't tell me that other people didn't die too. Other people died. He was a mass murderer, and he covered it up. If we bring David in here, we're calling the cops to have him removed. But David was someone who always repented and someone, again, he, he messed up. <laughs> he messed up. But he would repent and he would follow the Lord. And God blessed him. And Asaph, Asaph knew this. Asaph knew this. And this isn't just true in the Old Testament. It's true now. We see in James 1.17, the Bible says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So the same God who is good to Israel is the same God who's good to us. Yeah. Romans 8, 28, very famous verse. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. That's a great promise. That is a great promise. Listen, we, we see... Who the Bible says God is. And you listen, so did Asaph. Listen, 
but he saw the character of God, but he also saw the conduct of, of the wicked, the conduct of the godly. Verse 2 of chapter 73, it says, But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My, my steps had well nigh slipped, for I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Can we just all agree that there were really wicked men in David's time? David really just coming just a little bit after the time of the Judges, where you go back and read through the book of Judges, and you see just how Israel, listen, they're in bondage. Why? Because they're in sin. Because they're not doing what they should. And so then they cry out, and God saves them. You have a, have a, have a spiral of them being in servitude, crying out, God saving them, them, them returning to sin, God putting them back in servitude, God saving them. And it's just like circle, but it's not just a circle around and around, but also down. As they continue through the book, they get more and more wicked. Which, when we get to the end of the book, we have a situation that is eerily familiar to Sodom and Gomorrah, but to be honest, worse. And that's Israel at this time. Like, Israel had wicked, wicked men. And these are the men that Asaph is seeing. And we know, listen, that they're not just wicked men in Asaph's time or Sodom and Gomorrah's time. They're, they're wicked men now. There are wicked people now. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 4, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. What does it say about man? For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, hmm, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heavy, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Listen, when I look around and I see, I see the people who are lifted up in this world, you know, when I was younger, it seemed like the people who are lifted up were, were people that, at least somewhat, you could look up to. But I look around and see the people who are lifted up in, in, in movies and shows and on social media, they're not people that you should be looking up to. Their conduct is horrible. Their character is non-existent. Whether it be movie stars, whether it be sports players, whether it be government officials. People are corrupt. People are wicked. The world is getting worse and worse and worse. And this is the same thing that Asaph saw. He saw, he knew that God was good, but he also saw that man was wicked. And in his head, he just, there was a confusion. And that's where we come to number two. He saw their confusing, confusing fortune. He saw their confusing fortune. So they're going to look at just the reward of the wicked. Listen, in his day, he looked at the people who were wicked, and they just seemed to just be prospering. They seemed to just be getting everything they wanted, and nothing bad was happening to them. Let's look at verse number four. It says, for there are no bands in their deaths, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride compasseth them about as a chain, violence covereth, uh, covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than the heart could wish. 
That's saying something. They have more than the heart could wish. We, we look around at our world, and the world obviously looks a little different than it probably would have in Asaph's time. But can I say, fundamentally, the world's the same. Fundamentally, it's, it's pretty much the same. Listen, I believe that Asaph saw the same thing that Moses saw when Moses looked around Egypt. He saw those in, that were really mentioned in Hebrews 11.25 that are enjoying the pleasure of sin for a season. We'll get there later though, right? But they're enjoying the pleasure of sin. I look at the, I look at the state of our country. I look at how everything's going. And I look and, and, and in the news, you see, you see just the reports of the biggest cities where people just walk into businesses just take what they want and walk out. Where, where they just drive up next to a car, get out, look in, break the window and take. And, they go, and they, there's no punishment for it whatsoever. They're just, they, listen, it, they're just prospering. They're getting everything they wanted and there, there's no justice You think about the call scammers. We all get those calls, right? They call time after time after time after time, and and they just seemingly never get caught. And yet they take people out of thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. It just didn't seem to fit how these people were so wicked, yet God is good, and then they're prospering. It was a riddle to him. It's a riddle to the righteous sometimes, right? I like riddles. The world is full of riddles. Can I give you one real quick? What can you keep after giving to someone? What can you keep after giving to someone? The answer, your word. You can keep your word. How about another one? What can you break even if you never pick it up or touch it. What's that? A promise. A promise. Listen, Asaph, again, verse number one, truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. He knows it. He knows it's true. But then he, again, he looks around. Look at verse number eight. They are corrupt. Speaking of the world, they are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouths against the heavens. Their tongues walketh through the earth. Therefore, his people return hither and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, how doth God know? And is there knowledge in the most high? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I play, have been plagued and in vain and, uh, and, and chastened every morning. If I say, verse number 15, I will speak thus. Behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. 
It just doesn't seem to make sense, does it? When we look around and we know, when we know that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, and yet we have nothing compared to the people who are wicked. And they have so much. They're, they're just, they, they, they never have to want for anything. They just have so much. They, they, can, they can go to the grocery store and buy every egg that the grocery store has. I tell you. The world just has so much. And it's easy sometimes to get envious. It's easy sometimes to look at that and be like, God, why can't I just have a little? Why can't I? Listen, LeBron James doesn't need a billion dollars. Just give me 10,000. That's all I'm asking for. Just 10,000 of it. It's easy to become envious. It's easy to be like, God, just, they have so much. Just give a little bit to me. I'm your child. You, you say you own it all. Just let me have some. And it's, listen, let's be honest. It's easy to get envious. It's easy to be envious. And this is the ritual that, that, that Asaph is, is seeing. He became envious. The wicked had so much. And, he, and it just seemed like the, the righteous were just always struggling. Always put down. And he's like, did, did I, am I cleansing my heart in vain? They're the ones being rewarded, and, and I'm, I'm doing what's right, and I seem to be losing every time. We have to remember that the Bible says for, about God, for thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness. Neither shall evil dwell with thee. Well, that just makes it more confusing, Right? Listen, it's easy to think that we should have more. We do what is right. We preach what is right. But we see the wicked. We, we see, listen, we see people who, who get up behind pulpits and preach false doctrine. Who, to be honest, if this church had the, the budget that that church had, man, I can tell you, we'd be add, we could add on any addition we want to and never even worry about it, right? And it just doesn't make sense. Why is God allowing a church that, that preaches heresy to have money that they can build this huge, gigantic arena? Man. Sometimes it just doesn't make sense. But at the same time, can I give you one more riddle? And I promise this is the last one. What is always in front of you but can't be seen? What is always in front of you but can't be seen? The future. We can't see the future, but at the same time, we can read about the future. Number three, can we look at their certain finish? Because when we think about the world, they have a certain finish. Sooner or later, the world has a return to reality. I can't help but think about um, Lynn Sanity 
This is something that if you're younger, you might, you might know about it. But I, was, I remember it was a time where this, this, this unknown basketball player who was playing for the New York Knicks, injuries happened, and he was a person who, who, was, who went to Princeton and played basketball at Princeton and somehow still got to the NBA. And he was unknown, completely, like no one knew about him. And then injuries happened, so he gets to play. And he absolutely went off. I mean, just tore up the league for weeks and weeks and weeks. And it was just absolutely insane. It was insanity. And so since his name is Jeremy Lin, they called it Linsanity. And he just, just sprouted to freedom, to, 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 to absolute just superstar status, where even at one point, I think during that time, his jersey like shot up to number one in sales, and just he just went crazy. But can I tell you, it seemed like as quickly as he rose to fame, he had his 15 minutes of fame, and then it was over. And this is what we have to remember about the wicked. Yeah, they might have their fame, they might have their fortune, they might have power, they might have prestige, they might have all these things here. But sooner or later, there will be a return to reality. And this is what Asaph saw, verse number 17 of Psalm 73, until I went to the sanctuary of, the, of God, then understood I their end. He understood their end. Listen, the world might be prosperous. The wicked might have what, listen, what we might sometimes wrongly want. What we might be envious of. They might might have everything that we could ever dream of. But sooner or later, listen, they won't. Sooner or later, they won't. Listen, just, just, just for context, everyone dies, right? And what's the saying? You can't take the U-Haul behind the hearse. Think about what does Jesus himself say about the reward of the wicked? It's temporary. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse, verse number 2. says, Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, what does it say there? They have their reward. Verse number five, and when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corner of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, what does it say? They have their reward. Verse number 16, moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward reward. Listen, you think about the riches that the world has. That is, that is it. That is their reward. That's what they're seeking after, so that's what God is allowing them to have. But the Bible talks about, even in the same passage, that 
moth and rust corrupts. And thieves break through and steal earthly treasure. It's all going to pass away. It's all going to be gone. We see a return to reality. But we also see a reminder of what's next. A reminder of what's next. When I was, my last church that I was at, it's my home church, um, every year they, before COVID, they would run, they would put on what, what was called the Freedom Challenge. It was a 5K and 15K race. And this 15K race was extremely hard. The first three miles were uphill. Not a single downhill spot for the first three miles of the race. And I remember as I helped to run it, I was in charge of all the volunteers. As I helped to make sure the race went on as, as it should, I remember being able to, 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 to encourage someone as they were going along the race and they were and speaking to them very quickly as I was passing them. And they said, I'm so glad I'm past that the, that hard part, the hard part, the first uphill three miles. And the thing was, I knew what was next. Because the last mile was probably the steepest part of the race. It's one thing to have the first three miles be uphill. It's a whole other thing when the last mile of a 15K race is all uphill. It is the hardest part of the race. They, they were happy that they were past that, but if they, knew, if they had just been thinking about what was coming, they wouldn't have been happy. This is what Asaph sees. Psalm 73, verse 18. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into destruction? As in what? A moment. They are utterly consumed with terrors as a dream when one awaketh. So, O Lord, when thou awakest, in other words, are no longer being patient. He's not sleeping. He's no longer, when, you're, when you're no longer being patient, thou shalt despise or destroy their image. Listen, one day, the wicked are going to face a certain end. They're not going to get to keep what they have. Psalm 37, 1 through 2 says, Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Yeah, I can't help but, help but think, we're sticking with basketball. I know basketball. I love basketball. Can't help but think about Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson made millions and millions and millions of dollars during his career. And just, you know, just listening to him talk, like so many times, like there was one point, he ran out of money. Why? It's easy. Listen, this, this stuff just fades. And even if it lasts your entire lifetime, listen, it won't last past that. Even if riches last your entire lifetime, they won't last past that. see an example of this in Luke chapter 16 with the rich man and Lazarus. You can keep that verse up there. The rich man, the Bible says, fared sumptuously every day. 
He had, he really had every, he was, we, we know he called, he called Abraham father and Abraham called him son, meaning he's a, he's a descendant of Abraham. He was a Jew. I mean, he did everything he wanted. He was rich. Everything he wanted, he, he got it. His reward was on this earth. What do we see? What do we see in verse number 25? It says, but Abraham said, son, remember thou in thy lifetime receiveth good things. And likewise, Lazarus, evil things. But now he is comforted and thou art tormented. He didn't take his riches with him. And he is still in hell today. And listen, every single person that we look up to that does not trust him. Listen, I might not like LeBron James as a basketball player, but can I tell you what I do want? Some way, somehow for that man to trust Jesus Christ. I don't want any person, any person to die and go to hell. Listen, can I tell, when, when Osama bin Laden was still alive, do you know what, and this, I was encouraged by someone else to do this, and what we all should have done, praise for his salvation. We should want to see all men saved and come to the, to the knowledge of the truth. But for those who are wicked, for the wicked people who scoff at God, who laugh at God, who curse God, listen, there is a, a certain ending to, for them. And we see that in Revelation chapter 20, verses 12 through 15. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. All those people in the world who have everything that they want, who do anything that they, they do anything that they want. They live for themselves rather than live for God. They don't trust God. They trust themselves. This is their end. And yet as a church, so many times we're, we're envious of them. We're envious of someone whose this is their end. Not saying that we should be glad for the certain end of the wicked. God says again that we should not be envious of those whose end is destruction. Listen, we see the we see their certain ending. But then we move on in this passage, and very quickly we're gonna see the comfort of faith. The comfort that Asaph has in faith in the Father. First thing, you know the first thing that he had to do? The first thing that Asaph had to do, he had to repent. He had looked at the prosperity of the wicked and been envious and just, man, I want that, I want that, and I want that. And then God showed him, listen, the thing that you're envious of, this is the end of that. This is where that leads. Do you really want that? No. He had to repent. Verse 21 of Psalm 73, Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I and ignorant 
I was as a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Listen. It is easy to be jealous of others. It is easy to be jealous of others. But we have to know that everything that we have and everything that we don't have was planned by God. Again, it's easy to be jealous. Listen, the radio share coming up, and so I'm just going to keep them in the forefront. We have Dan and, and Dave. Now, if you look at Dan and Dave, there's something very different between these two, two, two men. What, what do you think it is? No idea? Hair? Something about hair. Do you think maybe, just maybe, every once in a while, Dan's just like looking at Dave and just seeing, man, I wish I could have that full head of hair. <laughs> maybe not the gray, though, right? <laughs> but listen, he just turned 50 years old. Whew. The preschoolers told me that that's a senior citizen. <laughs> But he has a full head of hair. Listen, I'm 35. I don't have a full. I'm balding. Can I say that God gave me this balding head? Dan, I know you know this. God gave you your balding head. And, And no matter how small or how big something is, listen, if we're envious over someone else because of what they have and what we don't have, listen, it's sin. And you need to repent. It's wrong. We need to learn to be content. I love what Paul says in Philippians chapter 4. It says, not that I speak in respect of want. Verse number 11. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased. And I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to uh, abound and to suffer need. What does verse number 13 say? I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. We use that verse out of context so many times. It's like, hey, I can do this. Why? Because God's going to strengthen me. The context of that verse is about being content. I can be content no matter what the situation has. No matter if I have a lot, no matter if I have a little, I can be content. You know what's interesting? You know the people who are wealthy seem to actually struggle with being content more than people who are poor? That's why we struggle with envy and covetousness in America. We are a rich nation. We are a rich nation. But we need to repent. Listen, if you always want, and there's a, we'll put this quote on the screen, if you always want something new, then you will always want something new. If you always want something new, then you will always want something. It's never going to be enough. Listen, I love Apple products. This is the iPhone 13. There was a time when this was new. Can I tell you something, though? It's not. It's not. 
And you know what? It, 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 it's easy for me, I'm going to be honest, it's easy for me to be like, I want the iPhone 14. Oops. Oh, man. Is it bro- it's not broken. It has a case on it. Even if it does have insurance. But it's easy to be covetous. It's easy to be covetous. It's easy to be envious. But we need to repent. And we need to have a reliance on the right director. Listen, we have a God who said in Hebrews 13, 5, that he will never leave us or forsake us. God, let me be honest, that's better than any riches in the world you could ever have. A God who, who created the universe, who said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. This is what Asaph saw, verse number 24 of Psalm 73, and I'm almost done. He said, thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon the earth that I desire beside thee. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a-whoring from thee. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord that I may declare thy works. Church, we need to follow the Lord. We need to follow his riches, his guidance, his counsel. When we get Away from following him, that's when we get in trouble. Listen, I, I, I remember traveling through Chicago one time. I hate traveling through, through Chicago. But I was using my GPS. And I was using it, and I got to a part where the GPS told me to go straight. But ahead of me was a big sign that said, Road closed. And I kept trying to turn this way and that way and, and, and backward and trying to get it just to tell me another way. But each and every time it said, just go back to the sign that said road closed, but it didn't know it was there. I was following something that didn't have the right answer. But when I finally stopped after literally trying like three different map apps that all of them did not know that there was construction... After trying multiple avenues, multiple things to follow, to try to find the right answer, to try to find my way. Listen, you know what? I finally actually read the sign that said detour that way. (laughs) And we laugh. Listen, we laugh. And we should. That was kind of funny. I was kind of dumb. We laugh. But how many times do we try to follow the world this way? And follow the world this way. And follow our strength this way. And there's no answer. We're going the wrong direction. When all we have to do is look to the right source. To look to the one who has the answers. And he gives direction. Listen, we look at the world and it's easy to be envious, but can I tell you, there's nothing to be envious about. 
but it's easy. Let God lead you. Let God lead you. Man, I want to be like, like, like Paul. We're going to skip to the end, David. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. I want to be like Paul who said, for I am now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. What did he say in verse number 7? I have fought a good fight. I have finished what? My course. Who did he get his direction from? He got his direction from the Lord. He says, I have kept the faith. Because he got his direction, because he stayed on course, what does it say? Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. But not just him, right? And he says, and not to me only, but to some. But to the first 150 million. No, but to all them that love his appearing. I love the song, and we're done, that we sang, I'd rather have Jesus. Can you sing this song? And did you sing this song truthfully? Said, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hands. Can you say that truthfully tonight? That the riches of this world mean nothing. That that's not what you're looking at that you're just wanting to be led by the nail-pierced hands of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.